how did I end up here? <laughs> if, <laughs> if anyone had suggested that I might be standing here a couple of weeks ago delivering one of these talks, I would have been surprised, uh, amused. This wasn't on my radar at all, but Stacy's in hospital, so here I am. I want to talk to you today about some other experiences in my life where I found myself in a situation I did not see coming. I'm going to share with you just a small part of a journey that Lonnie and I have been on for the better part of 40 years, which is amazing because I look only 40, don't I? I was a, <laughs> an infant bride, obviously, yeah. And many of you won't know me at all, and when I was preparing this talk, my vision of who was here was of... King's Church ladies, and lots of young ones, because we have lots of new young women in our church, and they're not here. There's lots of other strange faces in front of me, and I just have to believe that what God gave me is for you, because you're here, and it's wonderful to have so many people from different churches here. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of my backstory. <clears throat> I've been a Christian since I was 13 years old, married for you know 13 years by then. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was born into a, an occasionally church-going family, and then I was reborn into um, a spirit-filled Anglican church in Lyle Bay. Um, and I started going out with Lonnie on his 19th birthday, and we got married just shy of my 20th birthday. We've been married for 38 and a half years and have three grown-up children. Simon lives in London with his wife Christina and their son Jacob, and they're expecting another baby in August. Abby, our daughter, also lives in London with her partner Sean, uh, and she does not currently go to church. Simon and Christina go to a church called Revelation Church, which is a New Frontiers church. And Nat is our middle child, and most of you, no, most of you might not know him. Many of you will know him and his wife Minnie, and their two boys and we are awaiting the arrival of our first granddaughter in July. Lonnie and I became part of the New Frontiers group of churches when we moved our troops to the UK in 1999 for an extended family experience. We then became part of a, this church plant back into New Zealand in 2003, and we were the first family to sign up and the last family to arrive, <coughs> or second to last family. It was definitely a God-directed time of our lives, and in moving out of our comfort zone, we gave the opportunity to God to stretch us and grow us. Many of you will know that experience. But choosing to move out of your comfort zone is not what I want to talk about today. Today I want to touch on the dreaded thought that what happens when I find myself in a situation I don't want to be in, I didn't choose, and worst of all, I cannot control it. This is a walk that I'd like to take you on. It's not a completed story because there are still unresolved and unhealed issues that plague our everyday life. Unfortunately for me, it's not a story where I'm the heroine emerging from the fray with dirt on my nose, my hair wildly blowing in the breeze, horse charging forward under my bold direction. It's a story where I found myself in a predicament where the situation threatened to unravel my faith, my marriage, and my understanding of who I was. For those of you who are interested, you can read more about it, a more comprehensive version, in this book. 
Coming to a Head, written by my husband. Anyway, in August 2011, Lonnie and I lived in an apartment on Queen's Wharf in Wellington. Our children had all left home. We'd sold our big family house and bought a smaller one in Whitby, which we tenanted, and we moved to the city for an adventure. By August 2011, we had lived there for 18 months. One evening, Lons and I walked along the waterfront to meet the Blue Bridge Ferry as it chugged into the harbour with some of our UK friends on board. We were early. We always are with Lonnie. And so we sat watching the harbour lights together and he said to me, Sarah, I went to see the doctor today because I've had a headache now for a month. I expected she'd tell me just to take some aspirin and come back in six weeks, but she's sending me off for an MRI and an MRA and she's worried it might be something sinister. That was a defining moment. And I said to Lonnie, I wonder if we'll look back on this conversation and say that our lives were never the same again. Play forward seven years. It's true. Our lives have not been the same since. We have experienced some of the most trying times of our marriage and of our faith. And we have sometimes lost our way, especially me. Lonnie went on to have a clear brain scan and tests showed he had a healthy heart. Despite the occurrence over the following months of ambulance call-outs, fainting spells, panic attacks and dreadful sleep patterns. Medicine couldn't find a name for what troubled him and pills by the bagful, literally, only caused more problems with their ghastly side effects. Working as a consultant with no steady income meant our finances were in jeopardy and we had several rental properties that worked financially only when offset against his income. The headaches never abated and they still haven't gone away. It was not what I signed up for in life. But sometimes we have to face the fact that life will not necessarily march to our tune. What is our reaction then to both the large scale events and the everyday grains of sand in our shoe that threaten our derailment? I found that I became undone by the magnitude of the things that were assaulting my life while Lonnie, to whom all these awful things were actually happening, was pushed further and further and closer into the arms of his father. I found only distance and apathy in my relationship with God. Lonnie would greet me each evening with words God had given him and scriptures that spoke into our situation, while I became more and more disconnected. Lonnie used the time to journal and read. He began writing his book, Coming to a Head, in which he wrote about the ride of his life that nearly ruined his career, his marriage and his sanity. But for me, our situation, our finances, our lack of a social life because of Lonnie's health, screamed way louder than my faith in terms of its impact on my life. And by Christmas time, I was severely depressed. Now, of course, I'm a person who doesn't do depression. This thing was an episode in my life when I found myself looking around, thinking... How did I get here? And if I don't know how I got here, how do I go about getting myself out again? Depression creates such inertia. But around this time, God strongly showed us that we needed the strength of good friends around us. He told us that we should do all we could to surround ourselves 
with people who would point the way back to a healthy relationship with God. One day I remember coming home from work feeling lower than a snake's belly, which my mother would say. And my mother is here. (laughs) And I told Lonnie that friends had invited us to dinner because God had put us on their heart, but that I'd turned them down. I couldn't face it. He immediately called them, reinstated the dinner invitation, and off we went. And it was a watershed evening. They fed us amazing food, and cooking and food had become of no interest to me, which is just the complete opposite of who I am. I love food and cooking. And they then shared their journey, struggles that they'd had that we never, ever knew they'd experienced, and they prayed prayers of wonderful faith and prophetic accuracy into the moment that we were in. That was an amazing evening, so simple. On another occasion, I was at work in the Central Library, and I was assigned to basement duty for the first two hours of the day. Normally, that's a really pleasant task, being in the basement, returning books, but contrary to all my antisocial feelings at the time, I was almost in panic attack at the idea of being down there alone for two hours. But not more than 20 minutes had passed when my work colleague, who was also a Christian, came down to find me because God had prompted her to come down. It makes me cry now. Nobody ever does that. You go down the basement and you disappear for two hours. And there she was. She said, God's come and told me that you need somebody to be with you. It was precious. So I guess I'm saying here that we have a desperate need for one another in the kingdom of God. I don't know if either of these friends would particularly remember the incidents that I'm talking about because they weren't world-shattering, but they were for me. And I can look back on those times, and, and others too, and know that God used them to begin my journey back step by step, slowly but surely. We got to our very lowest point around this time when Lonnie and I seriously contemplated taking a break from each other. My lethargy was threatening to overtake us both and he was, after all, coping with dagger in the temple headaches on a daily basis and threatening the addiction of happy pills. We both needed to try and find a way forward in our lives both financially and spiritually. But it felt like we were crawling through a cold mist which was lonely and isolating and destructive. We never did take that separation option. I think the thought of it for me was sufficient to make me look at other things we could do to fix our lives. And at this point, God spoke very clearly. The threat of time apart suddenly made me more inclined to listen to options God might be offering us. So God told us we were to read. I'm going to just hand out a little thing for you. For those of you who are, like to have something in front of you. <laughs> he told us we were to read and read and reread and read Psalm 23, which is coming around now in the message version, I think. It was easy to discount what God was telling us 
After all, everyone reads Psalm 23. Everyone quotes from Psalm 23. But don't discount it. Its words bring healing to the soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and he leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength and guides me in the right paths as he has promised. Even though I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff protect me. You prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me. You welcome me as an honoured guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your goodness and love will be with me all my life and your house will be my home for as long as I live. It's a beautiful, beautiful scripture. And three phrases stand out to me now as they did when God first illuminated them to me when we were so unwell. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths as he promised. I am welcomed as an honoured guest. Firstly, God promised me a new strength. I so desperately needed a new strength for the life ahead of us. Not something dredged up out of my own self-sufficiency, but instead a new strength that he was offering to supply. On top of that, I was being offered guidance in the right paths he had promised. Now over all those months, we had had to shelve many dreams and schemes that we had thought were our right paths. And here was God not only promising to give us new paths, but that he would guide us in them the right way. It was scary. We had some pretty attractive schemes for our future, up our sleeves, and these basically went out the back door when Lonnie was unable to work, with no understanding of a plan B. It was such a scary time and so hard to watch all our plans evaporate before our eyes. But the long story short, safe to say, God came back at us with an amazing plan B that we could have never predicted or fabricated ourselves. Thirdly, God was encouraging us and telling us that he saw us as honoured guests in his kingdom. For anyone who suffers from poor health, chronic pain or depression, you will know that you don't feel like an honoured guest. In fact, I often felt like a thorn in his side, a pain in his bum and an add-on to the guest list. But no, God said he would lead us all the way, give us strength and give us amazing seats near the front with the best food. It was great to hold on to that psalm. It was powerful to know that God had hand-picked it for us and you and you and you. And I could relax into its promises. About the same time, there's another scripture at the, on your page, give, it or take, give or take a week or so, God also spoke to us from Exodus 14. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. God was again assuring us that he would fight for us, give us new strength, and that he would give us deliverance. In other words, a right path forward. In fact, Lonnie rewrote those, those words from Exodus, <clears throat> laminated them, stuck them on the wall above his desk and on my dressing table mirror, so we could constantly be reminded of the words that God had promised. 
And this is what the rewritten one is, which you've also got. Jesus answered Lonnie and Sarah, Do not have fear. It makes you into a false prophet where all you predict is a gloomy future. Take a firm hold of what I taught you last time and you will see the breakthrough the Lord alone will bring. The problems you see today, the Egyptians, you will never see again. There will be no more trips around the mountain. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still and know that he is God, your father, your provider, and that he is always good. There will be no more trips around that mountain. Those were glorious words for us. They gave us real hope in the future. And we began to release our striving hearts and tiny step by tiny step go into God's right path. He moved us for a brief six months out to Papakofi, where I gardened from morning till night, even when the rain bucketed down, because that was part of my healing. Lonnie would look out the kitchen window and find his mad gardener wife up to her ears in agapanthus, happy as a clam. While we were there, God enabled Lonnie to gradually stop taking his happy pills altogether, and he managed to go back to work again, though those days were very hard for him. The time was special for us both. We moved again when that house sold, and we hoped to shift into our Whitby home, but the timing of our tenancy meant that we were not able to. We found ourselves on yet another right path that we would have completely missed had it not been for God's intervention. I was mistakenly sent by the real estate agent to view a house that wasn't even available for tenancy, (coughs) but which went on to be the hub of our family for the next 18 months. It was a perfect gift from God, a home which Nat and Minnie and our daughter Abby shared with us, and which is a place of many incredible memories. Minnie and Nat were such a blessing to live with, and it was at that time I updated my phone address list to include... <clears throat> Minnie the cheeriest Carrie, <laughs> as a reminder of the joy <clears throat> she had brought into our lives. Nat never lost an opportunity to pray for his dad over that time. And in fact, our three months stay with us before you go overseas ended in three years, only when the addition of Asher to the team threatened to surpass the capabilities of our downsized house. We were still facing Lonnie's chronic headaches. We were still on a journey. To be honest, I think this one probably ends with the grave. But we were able to once again move forward, not looking back or retracing our steps around the mountain. I guess when most of us live on this earth for nearly 80 years these days, we are bound to face trials and sorrows and seemingly insurmountable obstacles. We rarely comprehend the extent of the struggles other people are facing, but we can let our own hardships help equip us to be more in tune with the people around us. If we make ourselves available to be used by God, he can direct us to people, prompt us to stand alongside them, invite them for a meal or a walk or a chat. When we are in step with the Spirit of God, we can be precious tools in his kingdom, as I mentioned earlier. Those caring friends and others along the way gave something way greater to me than appears at face value. Their obedience to God and following his nudge was meant that I was blessed by them, but I was also blessed by God because it showed that he cared about the tiniest detail of my life and I truly was a treasured daughter, warts and all. Let's all live like treasured daughters, 
showing endurance and strength and courage, recognising its warts and all. Thank you.